There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome back, Larry and Julia Show. My Talk 1071, Everything Entertainment. Happy Hump Day. Uh, Holly is in for Julia today. Before the show is over, once again today, we'll give you a chance to win a pair of VIP tickets to see a fun show. Shop Till You Drag, produced by Flip Phone Events, and that's coming up on Sunday, May 19th, out at Rosedale in the uh, Von Mauer Court. Okay, that's coming up, but we have something we have to do before that, don't we, guys? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. That's right. Holly now has an opportunity to face off against Lori a little game we call Pop Culture Jeopardy. How about that guy making all the money on Jeopardy? James Holhausen. Is he still winning? He is. Yes. He's still, still winning. Yeah. I haven't yes. been keeping track and of that. And Alex Trebek was so great on GMA this morning. Just It was too long of an interview to like cut it, but he was really, you know, like he's pancreatic cancer and doing yeah. the chemo and he's he, being really he, honest about yeah, it. Yeah, he really is. And just, he said, I, he said, I'm so glad that um, we were almost done filming when because he's like just so tired but he just he looked great and his spirits were great and he's just dedicated to getting the word out because pancreatic cancer they don't have like a good way of finding it early Mm -hmm. right yeah so he's like really hoping that his messaging so anyway oh alex okay. alex so we're playing uh, this we're playing for you we're, we're playing, playing for, for you oh, i'm fully boy. expecting to get my clock clean oh i don't ah, know i don't know about that yeah, well, know here we go here's your first one pop culture jeopardy jeffrey jeffrey was the name of the butler holly uh, yes what is it holly what's the answer what is the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yes, he was wow. the butler on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Jeffrey. Don't even get a ding, Donnie? Oh, I know it. Jeez, you <laughs> didn't even need much of the clue. I know, it's just, jeez. Jeffrey, and Jeffrey you just the knew. Oh, okay, I just, I, that, that show's is, a classic. It is classic. Uh, I, would I know, never would have gotten that, Holly. I know, Lori's going to get this one. Okay. Okay. She played Susan Keen in Suddenly Susan. Oh, who is Brooke Shields? Yeah, Brooke Shields. Brooke Shields. Did you like that show? Oh, I love that show. I mean, well, Kathy, Griffin Kathy Griffin was on, was on that on show. That. that was a funny show. That was just like, it was in the same vein of Spin City and, and the engagement, the one with uh, Oliver Hudson and that other guy, whatever that show was The guy called. from St. Elmo's David Fire Spade. was in that, too. Yeah, David Spade was in. Just yeah. kind of like, we don't 90s really see. sitcoms. Yes, yeah. 90s sitcoms, mm-hmm. indeed. All right, how about this one? This accomplished movie director created Twin Peaks. 
Holly. Who is yes. David Lynch? Yeah. No, it's Lori got it. Oh, <laughs> well, Lori got it, Why though. do you say Holly? <laughs> well, oh, I'm playing by the old rules. So oh, you're just yeah, blurting it just, out. Yeah, yeah you guys. Just, I, I just got to blurt it out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's All first right. blurt. I was trying to be okay. You were doing a buzzer. Yeah, it's first blurt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Duly All right. Noted. Two for Lori, Lori one yeah. for Holly. Here's your next one. This actress was only 12 years old. Who is Tatum O'Neill? Uh, Sorry, you jumped in too soon there, so we got to give Holly a chance to answer this. All right, I know it. This actress was only 12 when she played Claudia in Interview with a Vampire. Who is Kirsten Dunst? Yeah, it's yes. Kirsten Dunst. Oh, that's a that good too. Saturday afternoon yeah. movie when yes. you catch it. Because Tatum was 10, 9 yeah, or 10. Yeah, she was super young. Mm-hmm. Here's the next one. Okay. This was Tom Cruise's character's profession. And eyes wide shut. What's a doctor? Yeah, it's a doctor. Right. That is correct. Holly is rolling, running the okay. table here. Well, you did too. Is that running the table, Donnie? Are you... Uh... No, maybe not. Yeah, no, okay. it's Thank not you. running the table. Thank I'm you. lost no, track of the score. Holly's ahead. It's three to two. Three to yeah, two. That's, okay. That's fierce. All right, music question. Lori, get ready. Okay. They sang the 80s hit, Rock Lobster. Who is B-52s? Yeah, it's a B-52. B-52. Yes, of course. Three to three. Lobster, yeah. This is the time. Oh. This is the tiebreaker. <laughs> oh, okay. maybe. And it's go. music oriented and it involves lyrics. David Bowie's Let's Dance. He urges, put on your blank shoes and dance the blues. Put on your dance shoes? Uh, nope. What is dance? Uh, huh? Put on your. I love that. Oh, song. no. Now I'm <laughs> blanking. Your, I'm bad what at is lyrics. Blue? I'm sorry, what'd you say? What is blue? Oh, close, though. Put on your beige beige shoes, brown shoes. No, we get to name every color now? Yes, magenta shoes. Put on your red shoes. Oh, Lori, Put on your red shoes and dance with me. Oh, lyrics are... Lori got it! Lyrics are hard. For me, yeah. they're hard. Yeah. I can always remember the music part of the song, but then the lyrics is just like... You, have and have and yeah, and yeah, half the time we yeah, have the okay. lyrics wrong. Lori wins four to three. What an exciting contest. Unfortunately, <gasps> 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 <laughs> we have no prizes to get away because the you, budget is small. Here. Did you give away the mother-in-law books to people call in? Oh uh, Yeah, those are taken those care of. Oh, yeah. I, by the way, that mother-in-law was my second... Uh, marriage, just so that no one thinks I was talking about Casey and Julia's mom. Okay, so oh, she's a wonderful about, mother-in-law. You, you talked about the first wedding today. Yes, the second mother-in-law, wow. and then third marriage is a okay because it's good. yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, she reminded me so much. Oh, of oh wow! This Diane, oh, right oh. down to the money. Oh no! And there no. was a secret, and I don't know if that. I will say this, Julia. Didn't read the book. She listened to the book. But, okay, so I guess the we've asked authors this. They have no say in who reads their book. Sometimes if they have a good voice and it's their memoir, they can read their own book. Right. If they mm-hmm. feel like it. Like, I think maybe Michael Caine reads his yes, he does. memoir. And, How could he um, not? So, but Julia said that, and the mother-in-law, it's this, she said, this is like the fourth book this woman has narrated that we have read and she can't stand the woman's voice. And she's a very slow reader. And she's like, it is ruining my reading experience. This woman who keeps getting jobs reading <laughs> books. So she wanted me to be sure and say to people for this book, the mother-in-law, read it. Don't listen to it. Because she thinks she'll be annoyed by uh, the voice. Okay. 
Fair enough. Duly okay. noted. Yeah. Read the book. Read that book. And I'm also just, uh, you know, was like on a Twitter high this morning. I tweeted Oprah, Stephen King, and Garrison Keillor because Chronicles of a Radical Hag, Lorna Landvik's book, is a book that all three of those people would love it because of its, um, oh, it's it's so funny, but it, it all is through the eyes of this 86-year-old woman, Hayes, who's had a stroke, laying in the hospital, and her granddaughter runs the Granite Creek little weekly newspaper. And Hayes, for 50 years, has written columns about herself and daily life, but also, like, what's really happening in the world. Mm-hmm. And she does get people who hate her, so they send her letters, and one man even calls her, well, I don't know why the newspaper runs the chronicles of a radical old hag, like you, which is where the title <laughs> yeah. comes from. And she dedicates sometimes when she knows she has a column that's going to blister somebody's bottom, might be about, you know, having the choice to do what you want with your body or whatever. You know, she saw many changes that she'd been writing, you know, from the 40s. And she follows up with a recipe, but it's... It's sort of like how everything stays changes, but still things stay the same as far yes. as social issues. Right. And it was just, she is a treasure, Lorna. And I'm just like, I'm going to be her. You're going to be her P- hype woman. I'm going to be her <laughs> PR woman. And I just oh, okay. tweeted Oprah and Stephen King and Garrison Keillor. So and if I, any of you happen to be listening yeah, or you, if know, you know any those guys. Give them a little you know, I, I, nudge. I, I really feel like they would all really like that that book because of the small town, the humor, the sense. It just was brilliant. It just it's a book the world reads right now. If you don't, it, I that's why I like running away into suspense. But sometimes you need a comforting book. Yes, and that book was just so comforting and sweet and wonderful. Kind of like the book. Um, this book is not yet rated. The yes, Peter Bunyani, which novel. I'm reading right now, I'm about halfway oh, through. Isn't it good? Movie. It is good. A it good is just a good coming of age, slice of life, humor, great characters, yeah. lots of nostalgia in there too. All right, listen, we come back. It's time for random thoughts. We have no idea who's randomly coming up with these thoughts. Well, but I, I gave tuned. them to you. Did you not? Oh, Donnie, oh, you're so literal. I'm just going to come up with the Latin oh, name for literal Donnie. Okay. We're going to figure it out. We'll like Donius, Donius Literus. Yeah. <laughs> Donius Literati. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, I saw this story the other day. Do you ever notice that? You know, sometimes I wonder what would happen if... And now, Julia's random thoughts. He looks like that puppet. I don't know. He's had cheeky implants. It's just random. That's all it is. Random randomness. Well, this is a friend of mine uh, let me know about this yesterday uh, that they are trying to um, rescue St. Paul Grand Old Day, Grand Old Days, raising some money because the sponsor, you know, pulled out abruptly last week. I mean, yes, it has been. Did we ever figure out the official reason why Grand Old Day was money. canceled? Money, Just money, yeah. flat yeah. out money, money. didn't yeah. have it. A hundred percent. Uh, money and so uh, Andy Rodriguez, one of the two organizers of what's been called Grand Old Day anyway, um, sponsors and vendors would need to pitch in with funds. Organizers have set up a GoFundMe site as well f- for anyone from the public to donate um, because they want to try and raise $100,000 by May 6th. 
by Which, May sixth. Well, time. that's not a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, it, no, it, it, yeah, less than a week. That's next Monday. Let's that see. they have to come up with the money. Let's see where we are on the Grand Old Day Facebook page. Grand Old Days, anyway, is what it's called. Um, because, and I think it was just a couple of the the bars that, yes. that decided, hey, let's try and... Well, and save this because I think for a lot of businesses on Grand Avenue, it's a big gen- uh, revenue generator. Also, it's part of the fun of being in Minnesota is being able to go out and do all of these festivals. Yeah, Donnie, maybe you can find the link or whatever, or the GoFundMe page for yeah. that in case we do want to... Um, People okay. are feeling generous. I mean, they really just need like one... One or two, like um, like maybe someone could get a hold of that um, millennial millionaire in West Alice, Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. I, can you imagine how much he's getting hit up? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that is when you just have to go yeah. away and disappear. He seemed to have done that because he took a couple of weeks before he came forward. Yeah, you gotta you gotta call your lawyer or like find somebody yeah. to help take care of some things for you if you win that kind of money. Here's a random headline, Donnie. You let us let us know if you find anything I'm like looking, that. I'm okay, uh, here's just a headline for you about um, millennial health plummets after the age of 27. Study finds the generation of millennials has unprecedented rates of diabetes, depression, and digestive disorders. Well, I'll tell you why. why? They get blamed for everything. Oh, come on. I'm so sick of it. <laughs> That's right, Lori. We get blamed for everything. Everything. Oh, I've just had it. But this is from Blue Cross Blue Shield. Oh. That they have a higher rates of eight of the ten most common health conditions by their mid-30s than the previous Gen Xers did before. That's why you got to do the self-care. Well, and, and, well, at the you very know what, least, you know, what, millennials, maybe they need to be mad at their parents who let them go into debt to go to college and were not stern parents and said, <laughs> I'm not going to let you get into debt. Eighty thousand dollars for a philosophy degree. <laughs> well, there's a broken system in place, Lori. I, I know. And it's, it's not, not that simple, but, Lori. No, I know, but there is something about like saying <laughs> Yeah, yes, yes. You you maybe you can go to Winona, like my daughter did. Whatever. There's the there was them, sort yeah. of this view of no, I want all my dreams and we, and I'm like, Are you crazy? Do you know how much how long? I remember my dad was like, If you go to UCLA, you'll have to pay twenty five thousand dollars back when you graduate from college. And then he showed me the math. He said, I won't let you do it. And I mean, I was 18. I didn't need to let him talk me out of that. But I mean, I was like, okay. He said, you're not, he said, that will take you. And they did the math and it was going to take me like, you know, 10 years or something to pay it back. And I was going to, you know, even though the interest is low, he's just like, you can live at home. Damn, that doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> but I mean, it's not. well, there's a lot of. <laughs> but I wonder if there's lot. tension for that because well, people are in debt up to their eyeballs because they say, took too much student loans. Well, that's been going on for decades. Student well, here's loans. the thing. I know, but not like I'm just saying that saying no. When did that become so old fashioned? I'm Bradley Trainer, and I'm Don McLean. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name. Left out, it's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, This A list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. 
Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. <laughs> well, and at a certain point, though, you know, you can make your own choice, but it, yeah, it, it, but it is one of those things. I mean, I will say as a person who has student debt, I have student debt. And did your parents try and talk you out of any of your uh, financial aid decisions and loans that you were getting? Well, I went to state school okay. for you because like you, Lori, yeah. where it was like you look at the numbers and I went to a public school, at yep. least for undergrad. And it was like, here are the numbers. And it was like, Ugh. Like, yeah. you know, you take a look at that big one and it's yeah. like, well, yeah, I'm on the, like, I didn't, I was not fortunate enough to, to have my education, for, well, to have my education paid for yeah. by somebody else. I was yes. not that person. Say, I wasn't so either. I wasn't that yeah. person, unfortunately. Yeah. But there's a lot of stress. There's student loan stuff. There's just like. Housing the, is more expensive than is it's expensive, ever been. Yeah. Job stability, all these other things that it's just like, man, there has been a huge shift in so many different things that, yeah, it's probably going to cause you some stress and maybe an ulcer yeah. and like. And some other things too. Jeez. Where it's not fun. Jeez. This, uh, yeah. All these selfies and avocado toast is not making up for all these health <laughs> problems that the millennials, I swear, they're just getting blamed for too many things. Every other study you read, they do blame. Well, I mean, don't you get sick of it? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I want to. Well, Donnie, you're well, okay Donnie, with it. No, Donnie. I think I, I think <laughs> some of the backlash against the millennials, and this is I'm just throwing it out there, is because some of them there's a sense of entitlement. Well, that's and, from their parents no, who never no, said no. No, that's not. It's from them that the sense of entitlement comes. No, Donnie. No. I'm on right, Team fine. Lori uh-uh. here. Uh-uh. I, All right. Who? No. Okay, like look who raises. Like yeah. the, look who were the parents. That's right. Of the millennials, and that you have to do the best that you can in the environment in which you were raised. That's right. <laughs> No, no, no. I mean, yeah. Okay, we'll move on. <laughs> we'll move on. We'll move on to another story uh, that I don't know if we like, but okay, the top five places we cry. Oh. One probably in the car. Number one. Of Number one. Holly, Holly how would you know that? Well, you cried in the car before. <laughs> Maybe from experience. Right. Also, number two, the bathroom. Yeah. In the stall. Not uh, out in the sink area, no. but in the stall. Okay, so here's what 2,000 people were asked, and the peop- the place we're most likely to break down in tears is in our car. 53% of people said they've cried in their car before. Well, you could be crying because of traffic, and mm. also you're alone, but yes. probably you're alone. Yes. Um, then the second place is at a family event, you know, when... A mean family member makes you burst into tears. Yeah, Aunt Barb sent yeah. some like passive aggressive jab at you. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Um, where are the children? Um, at work, people cry well, at work. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't mean you're crying out loud in front of people, but no, it means you go into you the take, stall yeah. and you take a take a fiver. Walking down the street, twenty nine percent of people have cried oh walking God. down the street. You yeah. just find out something, you get a phone call, yeah. something happens. I've cried in all of these places. Yeah, I know it. I am too, Holly. Last week. And at the grocery store. That Wait, I haven't. I just cried this week at the grocery store. What, what oh. were they out of? They weren't out of anything. <laughs> it was um I had just come from Lifetime from canceling 
or putting a freeze on my membership for the second time in a year and just feeling like a frustrated, just, just frustrated. Like, oh. And I was at the grocery store and I just was like feeling kind of bad about that. And then I was like, and then my shoulder, I'm not going to be able to go grocery shopping. Oh. Love grocery shopping. Oh. Casey's going to have to have grocery shopping. Oh, We're going to have to no. eat soup. Oh, gosh. It's going to be brown swagger and crackers. Yeah. Oh. All right. Listen, when we come back. Oh. <sighs> Yet, but let me tell you, people are going crazy because they do these middle of the night, if you live in America, Instagram updates and everybody thinks they're having the baby. Here's GMA. Uh, Amy Robach has been there since last. I think she arrived on Sunday and they did this with Kate. I think one of those babies came like 10 days late. And they just were there. I remember Natalie Morales. They're all, every single network has somebody over there for Royal Polo Baby Sussex. Here we go. This morning, Oprah, close friend of Harry and Meghan, speaking out in their defense, saying they should keep the news around their first child's birth private and talking about the gift she's going to give baby Sussex. This baby will have enough books to last a lifetime. Another day, another post from the parents-to-be. But not exactly the baby news everyone is waiting for. Harry and Meghan's at Sussex Royal Instagram account taking on a new stance, telling fans each month they will change who they are following in order to support a different cause. This month, focusing on mental health awareness, only following 16 organizations that, quote, are doing amazing work for mental health. Also telling their 5 million followers, we are all in this together. And we are, as we all wait for the newest royal. And still no word on whether the Queen will make this little one a prince or princess. The Queen issued a new letters patent which decreed that all the children born to the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge would be either a prince or princess. It's not clear yet whether or not she's going to do that this time around with Harry and Meghan's children. Now, if baby Sussex comes tomorrow, by the way, he or she will share a birthday with cousin Princess Charlotte, who will be turning four tomorrow, guys. And she's four. I just retweeted um, the photos of little Charlotte that uh, Kate took because she's going to be four. Gosh, how old is Prince George at this point? He's six. I thought he was older. No, he's six years old. Louis is one. And, you know, the Sussex Royal, the couple, Prince Harry and Meghan, they don't have Twitter. They just have Insta. Yes, they're the Royal Sussex, or what is it? Sussex Royal. Sussex Royal and followers of Instagram at Royal Sussex said they were just on, you know, pins and needles because they posted, you know, about... um, uh, they had a mental health message. It appeared on Royal Sussex feed at 1241. The post, a passionate me- message promoting awareness of mental health was clearly time to catch the U.S. audience, which, you know, we're between five and eight hours behind. And people are just having many panic attacks every time because they think, <laughs> where is the baby? Why are we- the- TikTok, I don't want to look at your Instagram account. I want to see where this baby is. Yeah. Do you think that Megan is running the uh, Royal, uh, Sussex Royal Instagram account 
Uh, I think she her? has input, input on it, but no, no, okay. no. I mean, she's heavily pregnant. Maybe yeah. she might get into it later. But the post last night or that came across was May is Mental Health Awareness Month in the U.S. And May 13th to 19th is Mental Health Awareness Week in the U.K. And um, so they are shining a light on Instagram accounts that promote uh, mental well-being, mental fitness, body positivity, self-care, blah blah blah, and they—that is what is—that's the reason they said on Instagram why they unfollowed Kensington Royal. So don't believe the hype is what you're saying by reports by Page Six saying that unfollowing. Caden William is some sort of slight. No, it's just it's a not. repositioning of yeah. what they want their Instagram account it's, to communicate. Or tell me, Lori. Okay, it's <laughs> strange. Here's who they who's the account unfollowed and unfollowed Kensington Royal, which is Prince William and Kate Middleton's account that they used to share with Meghan and Harry. They unfollowed Clarence House, the account of Prince Charles and Camilla. They unfollowed Princess Eugenie, Prince Andrew, and the royal family. Um, and so their following list shrank from 23 to 16. This is what they said in their post that they are only following organizations that promote mental well-being, fitness, body, body positivity, etc. That that's all they're going to use their Insta for. Do you think that this is a convenient way to not have to interact with the royal family on social media? I do. Yeah. And they don't really interact too much anyway. No. And I mean, of course, they were all under the Kensington Palace one. But of course, you know, it's going to make tongues wag. But how can anything make the tongues wag? How can they can't be any worse to her? Oh, Meghan Markle, you know, Mm -hmm. and I almost think, uh, you know, make of it what you will. Um, I mean, like Kensington Palace, do they still follow? I think that Kensington Palace still follows follows Sussex Sussex Royal. Royal. Mm -hmm. Yes. So they still follow William and Kate still follow Meghan and Harry on Instagram because we're 12 years old. (laughs) I I guess I kind of feel like it is tiny bit of pettiness because why wouldn't you want any of those accounts to be promoting the message? Because they also have big platforms. That's true. In that the PR social media business side of my mind says if I was advising Meg, I'd be well, well, I mean, why wouldn't we want Kensington Palace to maybe retweet it? But I mean, who knows? Maybe there's like, what if they don't retweet it or, or re- like it? Right. I'd say to them, well, Insta's getting rid of supposedly their likes. Yes, and you won't be able to see publicly who's yeah. liking some of the posts. So <laughs> I, I feel like that excuse is just a tiny bit Petty? convenient. Petty week, all of the above. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't really make sense. It makes draws more attention to it. Like, okay, you're taking seven people off. All so this is like it's hiding in plain sight, yeah. is what you're saying, Lori. And it's convenient to say, oh well, you know, we're doing this to advance. But every single causes every single other support. one of those uh, sixty, every one of those sixteen accounts are. All mental health organ. I mean, that is true. Well, right, it is true. That is true, and, and it's so, a convenient truth. And maybe that hide behind. Yeah, and maybe maybe they had some kind of a meeting and said, "Hey, we don't want to get into why didn't 
Clarence House, you know, like this or repost. Mm-hmm. So maybe it is a mutually agreed upon new strategy. Maybe they've hired a 30-year-old millennial to advise um, all those royal people on, you know, the best way to handle your likes, your likes <laughs> on yeah. Instagram, which because are totally being looked at by, you know, all the gossips of the world. Of course. Like yeah. us. Uh, like us. <laughs> like oh, us. Well, we like to look at it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's it. But then, you know, uh, they're telling us that Harry is going to take an, an official engagement in Amsterdam on a, a week from tomorrow. Um, do you think that there's any truth? Or because there are some Buckingham Palace announced this. Yeah. yeah, but that's okay. So announcing that that he's going to be already gone and doing things. Do you think that that means that there are any truth by any weird rumors saying that the baby is already here because they said that, you know, there's not going to be any showing of the baby right. out in public. There's not any going to be any kind of display. Don't they have to tell us when the baby... That would be such a breach of royal protocol. Protocol, Donnie. Oh, really I'm, what? I'm clutching my pearls. I'm clutching my imaginary oh, pearls. <laughs> Jeez Louise. But since there have been <laughs> unprecedented moves within this relationship that at, from a PR perspective, if we're going to be putting yeah. on our PR hats, right. is that um, Megan and Harry are definitely moving into the 21st century in being a royal. So perhaps yeah. breaking with royal protocol in this way is accepted by... Maybe he could grandma. Fly, he could fly back in an instant. Well, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah, Amsterdam is probably an hour a, a flight. Like forty-five minutes. Yeah, yeah forty-five yeah. minutes yeah. at the most. You get right, on a little fine. puddle jumper. It's okay. not like he's going somewhere else. Thank you for the. <laughs> there <laughs> we did. Right, Sometimes Johnny, your guy mind really does come yeah. in helpful. Yeah. Once in a while, yes, <laughs> it does. And I will say that Clarence House on Twitter, which is um, Charles and Camilla's. They pretty much do, well, of course, anything that Charles is doing, which, you know, he's pretty hardworking, rural, but they also like to do a lot of history. Like the Castle of Meh was the property of the Duke of Rothsay's grandmother, Queen Elizabeth. I'm sorry, Queen the Castle Mother. of what? Meh. 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 Sounds Meh. like smutty pie. I know. <laughs> we are the Castle the of Meh. Meh. Was the property right of the Duke of Rothsay's grandmother, Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, from 1952 to 96, when oh, Her Majesty really? gifted it with. With this endowment to the Queen Elizabeth oh. Castle of Maytrust, it has gotten a whopping fifty retweets. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Give one, give a retweet, Lori, for the old Clarence House, yeah, the Royal Collection. Yeah, the, right, yeah. Well, he his thing is about historical preservation, isn't it? That's it true. That's and, his passion and organic farming. He's done that for a long time. He's great at parties, I'm sure. He really is. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, boring. Well, you know, I'm looking at it, and there's a very nice picture of him clipping an apple tree, you know, <laughs> at High Grove. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it's, it's National, National Gardening, Gardening Week. Week. How did we miss that? Oh, jolly good. Mm. Oh, my God. So, you know, I mean, you got to love a picture of Prince Charles with a clipper in his hand. <laughs> of course, you do. You do. <laughs> You really, really do. Oh, anyway, so, but people are just waiting and waiting. I thought, God, the, the correspondents from the U.S., they must love this royal assignment. How fun. Go to London 
and hey, be on the company dime. Yes, Go and it's a light story, a happy, happy story. Yeah. Anyway, we could be flown on the company dime. I know. All right, yeah, we could. Hello, <laughs> listen, Hello. we'll be we'll be right back. Uh, we're going to Hollywood speak. The Game of Thrones cinematographer has words for all of you guys. So, what are you trying to say? Hollywood, Hollywood speaking. What is the meaning of this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People were complaining about how dark Game of Thrones is. It's I like medieval oh, times, people. Boy. I was one of them. Anyway, and. Um, Anyway, every time, I mean, when I watch Game of Thrones anyways, don't you guys just, you know, make it be perfectly dark like you're at a movie theater? I shut the drapes, turn off the lights, won't even have the little stove light on. I just... <laughs> wow. What are you going to underneath a blanket? I, yes, yes, I'm in a blanket. Yeah, the whole thing. And so um, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people complained that they could not see a lot of what was happening on episode 8.3, The Long Night. Um and uh, so anyway, Fabian Wagner isn't apologizing anytime soon for Sunday night's poorly lit episode. In an interview with Wired alongside the the guy who directed that episode, here's what he said. Gee, Game of Thrones isn't too dark. People need to tune their TVs. That's just flat out what he said. He said, uh, it's not their problem, it's your TV's problem. He's probably not wrong. I bet he's not wrong either. I don't know what you would have to do to tune your TV. Well, this is what he said. He said a lot of the problem is that people don't know how to tune their TVs properly. Well, okay, properly. there you go. That's the that's thing. And a lot of people, unfortunately, want to watch it on iPads, which is no way to do justice to a show like that anyway, no, which is true. Oh, yes, no. Completely true. Uh, Julia's son comes over and watches it at our house because we have... Right. It always goes back and forth between Casey and his brother, who in the family has the latest, greatest TV. So who has it now? We do. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so her son. 90 inches or something. I don't know what it is, but it's just unbelievable. I had to buy something from Furniture Manor to put it on. It's too. uh, But anyway, uh, her son, he's like, mom. Uncle Casey's got the greatest TV. I'm not coming anywhere near your house, your TV, for Game of Thrones. Shame! For Game of Thrones. Shame! Shame! Shame. And he said, personally, I don't have to always see what's going on because it's more the emotional uh, impact. Game of Thrones is a cinematic show, and therefore you have to watch it like you're at a cinema in a darkened room. If you watch a night scene in a brightly lit lit room, then it won't help you see anything. And um, he said... uh, um, he stands by his choices. Everything we wanted people to see is there. Boom, done. I, I agree with them. Totally. I was like, so I couldn't get over all the whiners. I didn't watch. Uh, okay. I've never watched an episode of Game of Thrones. That's the truth right here. I know. I this is You a safe are space. in the shocking minority, aren't you? <laughs> you can just yes. leave right now. Do you feel space. out of it? Are you feeling out of it? It was sort of like people who didn't watch Breaking Bad or The Sopranos. I felt would, out I of read it. read about Game of Thrones. Okay, so the you, problem is, is that I was gone when Game of Thrones started. So I was out of the loop and then I just never, never got, got back in. into it. But I enjoy everyone's enthusiasm for the show. Well, here's the good news, people. Here's the good news. Um, uh, The last three episodes, which is all we have left, we'll have a lot of action in King's Landing, which is always, we always seem to see it in 
daytime mm-hmm. or they're outside mm-hmm. or it's in the well lit medieval. Yes, it's, it's, much, it's got it's, a lot of windows. Yes. Night's landing seems to be sunnier. <laughs> so you don't have to adjust your TV for yeah. this Sunday, yeah. but it might be a good idea. But I guess otherwise you're going to get shamed by the cinematographer. Well, I mean, they, they <laughs> people were really like oh, there were a lot of but them. Yet at the same time, no one had one problem with how gr- epic of an episode well, it was. Okay. It was epic. The story was epic. No one saw that twist coming unless you were deep into like really oh, yeah. no, paying no, attention I, because no, I was shocked. Yeah, well, oh, I was going to say, Donnie, it sounds like you're giving the episode a meh rating. Oh, no. Oh, no. no, no, no. Okay, thank no, you. No, I mean, I'm one of those people that did have a problem with the lighting. But he was the, whingy about but the, it. But the, <laughs> Thank you for that nice <laughs> British, a British word. word. <laughs> whinging. Not whining, but whinging. Whinging. But uh, the episode itself, I thought, was was great. Amazing. And I yeah. personally like loved that I didn't have to see people get incinerated or had their heads decapitated. <laughs> well, there's a bit or, of that. I mean, no, I really... That was a lot of bodies. Maybe I, I like enjoyed it because... Because otherwise, I would have been just hiding anyway. I cover my eyes. I yeah. can't stand. I don't like looking well, at that. How can you even watch the show then? Well, well, um, well it's not all killing. It's not all killing. And when it is, <laughs> I look away sometimes. Okay, now here is something. Let's Hollywood speak this. Hunter Biden has split from his brother, Bo's widow, Hallie. Oh, I forgot about that. Reconstruct this, please. Okay. I forgot about this weird story. Joe Biden's son, Hunter, found love with his brother, Bo's wife, after his brother, Bo, tragically died from brain cancer in 2015. Excuse me. Bo was only 46. Hunter was married with Ooh. children, it was the most awkward of situations. Um, so now they. A source have close up. to the family said it's a private matter. Mm-hmm. I uh, bet it is. Yeah. And the news comes on the heel of Hunter telling Vanity Fair that rumors about his personal life would not affect his dad's 2020 run for the Oval Office. Oh, so this is all convenient timing. Yeah, I and I don't, but I don't think it will. No, I There's didn't so even, many other bigger that, we, issues going on yeah. or whatever. But I did forget we were we were like, okay, that had that is that's like Chinatown. That's, that, that, that is, is yes. that is Chinatown. That's out of a movie. That is out of a movie, but this is such a non-issue for any potential election issues. I forgot about it. Yeah. I, I completely forgot about this until it made headlines on page six this afternoon. Yeah. I love it though that a source uh so maybe um Kathleen Biden, Hunter's ex-wife, told page six because the source said Kathleen Biden is thriving and looking better than ever and back on the dating scene. Oh, so, that's that's her. So Please you, tell okay. her I'm looking better than ever and I'm looking for love. Please and thank you. And and and, and my sister in law is no lot longer dating my ex-husband. I mean that's good. I like that. Oh, that's I'm so glad awkward. we know that. I yes, know I it am is glad. I'm glad that she shared that with us today. Okay, here is just like this. Uh do you ever go to the Daily Mirror, that old uh British tabloid? Every once in a while. It's pretty long in the tooth and oh. pretty much lies all the time. Yeah. Well, this <laughs> story is such a trip down memory lane. I'm actually going to I think we should just use memory banks on this one because our mind, I know Julia and I our minds are completely useless details about what Jennifer Aniston said about 
the Beverly Hills home she shared with Brad Pitt, her years with Brad Pitt. Remember all the architectural stuff those two did together? Yes. All right, join us on this nostalgic I, gossip vintage candle journey. The years in question, 2003 to 5 in 2003, Brad and Jennifer happily married. And then Brad read a script called Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah. And he and Jennifer were renovating this huge Beverly Hills mansion to his specifications. Because he's the architecture yes, nerd. big time. Yeah. New, modern. It looked terrible. Lots of concrete. Very like Kanye and Kim's house. Thank you. Yes. And Jennifer said nice things at the time. But the first thing she did when she and Brad split up was she went back to her cute little bungalow uh, in the Hollywood Hills. Because she was like, well, how could you live in that house without thinking of Brad Pitt I guess they were living in her Hollywood Hills bungalow bungalow when they were doing this, okay? So anyway, once Angelina happened, Brad and Jennifer split up. They decided to sell their mansion. And it had taken years of renovation. It was going to be their family home, blah, blah, blah. And um, in the Jennifer Aniston 2005 Vanity Fair, where she talked about her marriage, said one day she would have a baby, damn it. And she did complain that he didn't have a sensitivity chip and she didn't like his design aesthetic. And at least she got to sit in comfortable furniture. <laughs> yes, I remember that cover. She's in a white shirt on yes. the front of Vanity Fair with her legs crossed and her hand is tousled mm. in her hair. Yes, see, we can remember yeah. this. Anyway, the story is... Um, that Jennifer, that, that Brad Pitt repurchased that old Beverly Hills mansion and gave it back to Jennifer Aniston. What a this load is of what, crap thank you. that story Horse hockey. Is. Why, would he, why would he do that? No, Donnie, Because he didn't. He did. Oh, okay. It is a load I mean, of utter yeah. horse excrement, as thank Holly you. just said. They can't even get the little things right on this story. Like, even later in the story... Brad surprised Jennifer Aniston by showing up at her 50th birthday party. And this was his gift to her. He was invited and her publicist let it be known ahead of time. Thank you. You might want to park outside of the Sunset Tower Hotel and get a photograph. It will look good. It will make front page for you. Nobody buys a house for their ex. You buy a house for your parent when you make it big. That's the only person that you buy a house for. And the house, by the way, is now worth $79 million. Yeah. No way is this story 79 million dollars okay. oh my gosh daniel craig and a female 007 i think that everybody should be considered that's very democratic of it <laughs> isn't it because the last one film was so so bad that the, they're bad. really struggling yes they well because they want to keep the franchise alive after daniel craig leaves because once he leaves it they don't get a good replacement it like where's james bond in 2019 yeah I don't I don't know. Thanks, Bon Bon. And Oprah has been advising Gail King in her CBS contract negotiations. Good call. Get the That's money, right. girl. That's, That's what right. She says. That's right. All right.